0: You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, welcome to episode 235 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a weekend. Uh, I'm recording this on Friday night, but it's going to be posting uh, very early Saturday morning slash Friday night, and that qualifies as a weekend pod. Uh, you know, it's been a while since we've done one of these. Obviously, it's been uh, you know wild and crazy in the world of, Al- of the Atlanta Hawks until recently. Now it's sort of dying down a little bit. And uh, the podcast schedule will reflect that. I talked about that on a previous show, but it's going to be you know maybe twice a week, maybe three times a week if it's uh, very busy in Hawksland. But uh, for for this podcast, going to kind of catch up on what's going on um, in terms of the, of the big picture stuff and uh, hit on a little bit of a rumor that's not actually a rumor that could affect the Hawks. And uh, you know just kind of jump around a little bit. This should be a short show, but it's the weekend and you can't expect me to go too long, uh, given that there's not too much uh, news out there. But uh, with that said, uh, there was a little bit of an event, actually, on Friday. Um, Dwayne Dedman and Ursula er- er- Eli- Eliasova had their introductory press conferences on Friday afternoon. Ilyasova, of course, is a, is a re-signing. Uh, he was on the team last year, played 26 games with the Hawks um, after being traded mid-season. But Dedman is, of course, the one new, uh, you know, completely new guy, aside from the rookies that the Hawks will be bringing in this season, the two guys... Uh, Took to the podium, so to speak. Actually, it wasn't a podium; It was a standing presser. If you missed this, and I actually was not there, in the interest of full disclosure, I was not in the building today. I had to uh, do, the, do my day job. It was a three o'clock press conference. Couldn't make it down there. But the uh, the Hawks are really great about this stuff, and uh, Facebook lived the event. So if you go to the Hawks official page, or if you want to see what that what the guys actually had to say and uh, the questions they were asked, that's a good resource for you guys. I wrote a little, I wrote a little bit about both of these guys um, on PeaceTroops.com. If you missed that, but uh, in general, nothing in terms of like you know giant fireworks to speak of. Of, but uh, in the immediate aftermath of those uh, press conferences the Hawks announced both signings so now they're now both official obviously the Hawks uh, and most NBA teams have to hold those kind of announcements until the salary cap uh, makes sense to sign those guys but those, those two guys are not under contract you might know that Mike Muscala is not yet under contract at least according to the official announcement has not come down yet and uh, Muscala is the one guy that the Hawks actually had incentive not to sign early on aside from Tyler Dorsey which we've uh, talked about on pstrips.com extensively but Muscala had a very very small cap hold and considering his uh, his rubric contract is a little bit more rich than his cap hold there's no reason to rush and sign him in the event that the Hawks want to use their cap space they really have uh, again no incentive to sign Mike officially until uh, the very end of the offseason unless they want to uh, use their cap space on something else so with that said, Ilyasova and Dedman are now officially part of the roster. Uh, both guys were upbeat, as you might imagine. Uh, Dedman talked about the fact that uh, he chose the, the Hawks um, uh, because of the young core and the fact that the uh, the Hawks sort of mirrored the Spurs where he was last year in terms of I believe he called them uh, "Little San Antonio" or something like that. It was a pretty funny quote. He was a uh, did, did a good job with the media, but uh, Dedman uh, was a sort of effusive in his praise for the young core and also sort of encouraged and uh, talked about getting better. You know, sort of running the press conference. And Ilyasova is a veteran who's been around. Uh, the one thing that I thought was kind I'm noteworthy about his pressing availability was that people, he, somebody asked him about his time in Philadelphia. Uh, when compared to Atlanta, obviously he was in Philly before getting traded to the Hawks in the middle of the off- in the middle of the season last year, I should say. And uh, he was he was kind of quick to uh, dismiss the uh, similarity between the rebuild processes in both spots uh, in Philly. Obviously they they were on, they they're still undergoing even though they have a lot of talent now, still undergoing a very very long rebuild. Whereas the Hawks, this is, this is probably going to be year one. He he did, he did he did use the rebuilding word about this year's Hawks team and sort of made fun. Of himself about being the oldest guy on the roster which he is um, but at the same time he was uh, pretty quick to dismiss the fact that this is not really your typical uh, uh, at least not well I shouldn't say typical but this is not the same re- kind of rebuild that the that the Sixers are doing whereas uh, he was pretty much the only veteran on that team aside it was him and Gerald Henderson last year um, this year obviously there's there's a couple more veterans around he's the, he's the oldest guy but at the same time the Hawks aren't going to quite bottom out in the same way that Philly did for an, ex- for an extended period of time at least on the surface so Worth noting, not a ton of fireworks there, but wanted to talk about that a little bit. Uh, also, the uh, buyout specifics for Jamal Crawford's contract came down since our last podcast. Uh, we sort of knew the area in which they were going to be, but um, this is actually there's a huge detailed breakdown of this on PeachtreeGroups.com that I would encourage you guys to go uh, and read. Um, but in the end, basically, uh, Eric Pinkus of Basketball Insiders reports that uh, Crawford gave up about four million dollars of his. Uh, Basically, he was guaranteed about seventeen point two million. Ends up being about thirteen point two million in salary that he actually will be, will be receiving. Um, in terms of the of the salary cap, which is really all that matters. If you are a Hawks fan, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. At least I don't really care about Tony Russler's bottom line. Obviously, he does, and the organization does. But in terms of the uh, the product on the court, which is all that matters on this podcast. For the most part, um, Crawford's Crawford's cap hit for uh, year one this year will be 10.9 million dollars, and then 2.3 million dollars for 2018-2019. Actually, could go down a little bit based on some offset language. I'm not going to get um, get too deep into that uh, now. You can go read the post if you want to get super deep into that. But the Hawks are going to save a little bit of money here. Obviously, they knew they were going to have to pay Crawford some considerable money, considering uh, they that was the whole reason why the Clippers you know, sort of threw him in the trade was for, for the Hawks to get that first-round pick from Houston and Diamond Stone. So we know the numbers now. Uh, that makes a whole lot of sense to me, and you know, there's been some uh, consternation about the Hawks buying a guy out. Uh, I have no problem with that whatsoever. They knew they knew the whole time that uh, you know Crawford's contract was in negative, and it was basically either they wanted to eat it and have him play for them, or they wanted to save a little bit of money, get him off the books, clear the roster spot, and be able to fill it with somebody else. Uh, I'm so, I'm totally on board with this. Obviously, it would be better to get him to take a little bit less, but at the same time, he gave up he gave up some real money to uh, have his freedom, and uh, that's the end of the day for the Hawks. So they get the the roster spot back, they acquire the first round pick, and in the end, they they spent. You you know about um, you know 13 13.2 million dollars in cap space in order to get a first round pick and Diamond Stone. That's about what you would expect, especially because it was, almost, it was a little bit less than 11 million in year one. That's a pretty good value. Obviously, that pick's not going to be anything terribly special, unless Houston sort of implodes, which I can't imagine happening. But uh, you know, it's going to be a solid pick. Uh, it's a first round pick, and those those are very, very uh, those are very, very uh, in terms of value, uh, sort of valuable right now because of the way that the uh, the league stacks up. And Diamond Stone's not nothing. I'm not uh, sort of over the moon about Diamond Stone, but it's a little nice little throw in on a cost controlled number, and it's a good deal overall. Um, with that said, we can get into some other stuff here. It's one of those things where uh, those are kind of the one, the two sort of uh, newsworthy events. Uh, other than that, um, there is the uh, a thing about CBS actually uh, re- released their win projections over at Sportsline. They do; they have this gambling site essentially. It's a handicapping site that's uh, you know sort of statistically driven, and they released their uh, numbers for the Hawks. Um, not not actually so bad. Uh, a lot of Hawks fans. Um, and including myself, I would say I've been a little bit more um, um, skeptical of the Hawks um, in terms of upside for this this coming season that they, they they did go out and uh, get a couple of guys who should help them you know, in Elova and Dedman as well as Mescala. so that that helps a little bit. It's worth noting that the uh, that CBS and Matt Moore gave the Hawks a pretty unfavorable grade for the offseason. Um, but it was basically, you know, when, when compared to last year, the, uh, the, the statistical breakdown, though, projects 33.2 wins and 48.8 losses for the Hawks. Uh, I think if you told me now they won 33 games, I'd be, uh, that's probably a little bit on the high side, in my opinion, even though with Mike Budenholzer, I've been uh, sort of saying that I think the Hawks are going to win more than I think they would without him. Um, in the same breath, it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of a 27, 28 man, 27, 20, 20 win roster and if you add Budenholzer's bump in there. I guess I guess that makes a little bit of sense here, but it kind of comes down to how you feel about the core. Um, you know, Dennis Schroeder, Torian Prince, uh, even Mike Muscala, you know, Deadman as well, um, Bembry and Collins, all the. It kind of depends on how you feel about those guys. Uh, I'm on record as saying the Hawks don't have a single top 100 player in the league right now, which is not, you know, that doesn't mean you can't win games, but it's actually a deep roster. I talked about that with Chris Barnwell on the, on the last podcast, but I think the Hawks are actually sneaky deep. It's just they don't really have that top end talent. So, you know, it, the algorithms are interesting, we, interesting to follow as we move forward here. I'll be talking about um, the projections as they start to come out uh, when we get closer to, to training camp, but uh, this is one that was an off-season one. The Hawks having 33.2 wins actually is a little bit rosy, which is good to see. You know, a lot, you know, Hawks fans need some uh, need some ammo to uh, be excited about this team. Obviously, young, the younger players will provide that, but if they're not so so bad, a lot of a lot of fans will be uh, happy about that. I'm on record saying that I think that I, I would rather have them win less games than more games because of the uh, draft slot. But not everybody feels that way. I understand that, and it'll be definitely. It's, of course, it's more fun in the moment if the Hawks are winning more games than they're losing. Uh, That's not going to happen, probably, but if they win more games, then I I predict them to win. That's probably going to be a lot of fun for the fan base. Before we get into uh, two more topics here on the podcast, though, I do want to talk to you about the good folks at SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there's a better, simpler way to buy with the good folks at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, and that is fully guaranteed. There's nothing like there's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team, musician, show in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a tremendous value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, which is a few taps of my iPhone screen. I can instantly find seats for just about anything. I actually just used SeatGeek to buy tickets for a Braves game, I was looking uh, deep into September for a friend of myself and we'll be able to do it to secure tickets that we want based on SeatGeek and it was really really easy to do so. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket ticket buying experience even easier than it's ever been. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And something to help you get the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every single ticket based on value to help you immediately and immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Download SeatGeek app today. Enter promo code LONBA. That's L-O-N-B-A. It has changed. So again, L-O-N-B-A. And that's promo code L-O-N-B-A for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So go there today. Take advantage of this fantastic offer from SeatGeek. Thanks again to Seake for sponsoring the show, and uh, as I mentioned, a couple of things to get to. Uh, one is Kyrie Irving, um, f- sort of the, uh, the the biggest news in the NBA world, and not even, not even sort of easily the biggest news in the NBA world on Friday was Kyrie Irving, a report from Brian Windhorst and Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN that uh, Kyrie Irving wants out um, of Cleveland via trade, and then David Aldridge actually reported a little bit more further details, and actually he, that, 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 the, the trade request from Irving actually began before the draft um, dating back to that point. I actually was trying to get to Chicago to join Jimmy Butler and who's no longer on the bulls, but uh, without getting too deep into the, uh, the big picture NBA stuff of this, a lot of Hawks fans were asking me what I thought about a potential run at Kyrie Irving with the Hawks stockpile of assets. That's something that they probably could, you know, feel like feel the competitive offer for Irving and, um, there's a couple problems with that. Uh, you know, obviously, the, the, the number of picks the Hawks have would be enticing in some ways, but Cleveland, at least it's currently constructed with LeBron James on the roster. I can't imagine that they would want to take a pick-driven offer for Kyrie Irving, basically unless they were assured, almost, that that LeBron was leaving. Uh, LeBron is not going to be interested in sort of a longer-term uh, vision in terms of what you want to get for Kyrie Irving. Uh, it's also important to note that the, that the Cavs do not have to trade Kyrie Irving. It's just a simple request. He has two years on his contract. They're not forced into dealing him now. It might uh, make for some interesting times if they don't um trade them but at the same time they don't have to do that um if he is on the market, though, I would expect the, I would expect the Cavs if they want to placate to LeBron and have any chance of keeping him long term. I would imagine they were going to be looking for more established players for uh, for Kyrie Irving, pr- perhaps a bigger name, somebody that can play that can again plac- placate LeBron a little bit. Uh, if you were the Hawks, you could probably field a competitive offer based on Dennis Schroeder and maybe even Torian Prince to have the two of them in the same con- in the same trade. That, that might be appealing to Cleveland because then you get Prince, who's a guy who matches up well with teams like the Warriors in the in the immediate time. With that said, I can't imagine that they. Would really want Schroeder in place of Irving. It's not really a great fit for Schroeder and that he's not a great shooter off the ball, needs the ball to be uh, productive in the way that Irving. I mean, Irving's not a guy that doesn't need the ball necessarily, but he's more of a better fit with LeBron James, whereas Dennis uh, probably is not the best fit with LeBron James. And uh, obviously, the Hawks wouldn't want to trade for Kyrie Irving within, without including Dennis Schroeder in the deal. So, um, you know, the Hawks could, if they wanted to deep, you know, go deep into their uh, draft pick reserves, they could probably field a competitive offer. They absolutely should try. Uh, you know, Kyrie Irving's a guy I'm not a huge fan of. Of, candidly um, in terms of uh, when compared to the top flight players in the NBA it's not like I think he's bad he's, he's certainly not bad he's just a top 25 player in the league or so I think there's some people that think he's a top 10 player I would not go that far uh, he's a, he is certainly a better playoff player than he is a regular season player based on what we've seen the last couple of years his scoring in isolation and the way that he can create his own shot in the playoffs is very very valuable but at the same time, his defensive issues are uh, well-documented, and they don't—they actually don't even go away in the playoffs. It's just that his, his offense is so crazy that it almost doesn't matter. But defensively, not a guy who uh, is a plus player by any stretch. He's probably a strongly below-average player defensively. Also, is not the greatest uh, distributor in the world, and that makes it actually a great fit with LeBron James, which means uh, I'm not really sure why he won out of Cleveland because LeBron's like the perfect partner for a guy like Kyrie. Basically, just allows Kyrie to be a scorer more than anything else. He certainly can pass. Um, not, not, a great, not, not the greatest fit in the world there, uh, aside from with LeBron, though. As, as a number one guy, we've seen uh, the Cavs struggle without LeBron in the past when he when he's been injured or gone. Um, but at the same time, you know if, if you're the Hawks, you, you make a call. You see if they're interested in some sort of package involving Dennis Schroeder and picks. I can't imagine that's going to happen. But Kyrie Irving is a lot better than a shooter, so if you can pull that off, go ahead and do it. And it would be sort of uh, you know reckless to not call. I mean, if you're Travis Link, you have to at least put the call in. I can't imagine you're gonna have, you're gonna have the best offer. But in the same breath, you know Cleveland might get desperate. Maybe they love maybe uh, new general manager Colby Altman loves Dennis Schroeder. I can't imagine that's going to happen, but you can at least give it a shot, and that's my that's sort of my, my game plan. If there there, if I was the Hawks, I would put in a call about Kyrie Irving, um even with full knowledge that I would not you know sell the entire storefront. If they wanted you know Shooter Prince and f- four first round picks, probably wouldn't do that. Uh, but if you were if it was reasonable, you could at least uh, get an offer out there and see what happens with Dennis Shooter slash Kyrie Irving. It's not a rumor. It's important to note that people people were just asking me if I would be trying to get. Uh, if, I, if I'd be trying to get Kyrie Irving and yeah go ahead and go ahead and give it a shot. There's nothing uh, wrong with uh, going out and trying it. Um, last but not least, people were asking me uh, who I think the Hawks should be targeting at this point in time. The Hawks still have two roster spots available. Um, Travis Schlink actually told Christopher Moore of the AJC about a week and a half ago that the Hawks, uh, Hawks quote-unquote, will be signing a third point guard. So uh, obviously they'll have two right now. I'm not really going to count Josh, Josh Majette uh, according to that. I think Majet's probably going to spend most of the season in Erie. I think the Hawks probably need to get a third point guard. So that, that'll be one spot of the two remaining. A couple of interesting names to keep an eye on. Tyler Ennis... Trey Burke, a former Michigan a National Player of the Year candidate. Also, Demetrius Jackson, who the Celtics just moved on from, former Notre Dame point guard. I actually wanted the Hawks to claim this contract, but he's not cleared waivers and is a free agent. So a little bit less appetizing there, actually, for me. But Jackson's still an intriguing player, in might be. Even, even Ian Clark, who is uh, not really a point guard, but can sort of function there offensively. Defensively, he's uh, pretty bad, to be honest. Uh, but a guy who is a proven offensive player in the NBA uh, could be worth a, a shot there on a value contract. Um, those are the four names that I that I like, only because I'm... I'm, I'm really of a mind where the Hawks should be trying to go young at point guard. Uh, Malcolm Delaney is a solid-ish backup. I like Malcolm Delaney quite a bit, honestly. I think he'll be much better this year in year two than he was last year, provided his shooting bounces back. That's not a given by any means, but uh, you know you see a lot of studies from guys who uh, their first year coming over from Europe, they struggle from from the, from the perimeter, whatever the adjustment level is. But with Malcolm, he's been a good shooter everywhere he's ever been, except for last year with the Hawks. So I'm making on a, a little bit of a bounce back there. And but at, at the same time, even if the Hawks are sold to Malcolm Delaney, He'll be a free agent at the end of the next season. He'll be restricted, but he'll be on the older side, so not an automatic situation where you would retain him. So keep an eye on a third point guard. I would be trying to go young. The Hawks could go with a stopgap, uh, you know, veteran option. I don't want to talk about those guys necessarily because that's not what I would be doing. But if the Hawks uh, do sign one, we'll obviously break it down. But I'd be trying to go young with that third-point guard spot. Even a D-League guy that has some upside um, that I'm not even thinking about right now would be uh, preferable to me versus uh, going out and signing sort of a stopgap guy that probably is going to be even much better than Delaney, if at all, and just take up a roster spot for no apparent reason in terms of uh, the long-term future. Uh, elsewhere, uh, the only guy that I would be probably willing to spend uh, sort of big money on that the Hawks could reasonably afford would be Jermichael Green of the Grizzlies, um, power forward, uh, restrictive, restrictive free agent. Uh, he sort of has a weird negotiation going on with the Grizzlies right now, but a guy who you know the Hawks have uh, they have some they have some space um, remaining if they want to uh, get into some sort of a bidding war in some ways like that. Uh, You know, green is probably worth more than the Hawks can offer, but at the same time, it's not as if the Hawks could not offer a competitive salary. If they were to hold on Mike Muscala and not offer him a contract, uh, it gets a little bit dicey. They don't really have that much space right now. I mean, they have about, they have about seven million dollars they could have up to about 10 if they uh, if they were to uh, basically go with Mike with Mike and waiting and wait 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 until uh, they basically had to sign him at the last minute uh, it's it's that's, that's an approximate number but it, that's that's enough to fill the competitive offer for a guy like Gre- green who's 27 years old not super duper young but if you could get him at nine million dollars a year that would be a good value and a guy who could certainly uh, you know make a lot of sense for you in the, in the next couple of years with that said I think the signing of Ilya sova makes that a little bit less likely, obviously, and the Hawks have not been linked to green in any meaningful way, so he's really the only guy available, though, in terms of uh, the veteran, veteran-ish guys that I would be trying to make a run at. You know, Nikola Miritich is out there. I would not be as interested in him as I would be in green, and obviously New Orleans Noel is a guy I like a lot, but he's not going to be signing for 9 or $10 million a year, um, even if he it just ends up taking the qualifying offer with, with, with the Mavs. Um, he's not going to be signing with the Hawks for you know a four-year deal for $40 million. That's not going to happen, so um, the only guy, again, that I'd be looking for on the, on the big money terms would be jermichael green uh in, ter- in terms of the bargain basement guys though you know luke babbitt is a guy who glenn willis a feature hoops wrote about this week a little bit i'm um, talking about some uh talking about shooting and what that could do to uh aid in the development of the hawks players. something that brett lagree's been talking about if opinion who's been on this podcast before and that was one of the reasons that i like the Iliasova sign just to provide some spacing on the floor for your guys to develop also mike muscala does that at center um you know you have, tout, you have uh, couple of other guys there, you know, Luke Babbitt is the interesting uh, piece because he's, he's he's probably the best shooter available in terms of the front court is concerned. Uh, other guys that I would be uh, interested in sort of would be James Young. He's kind of bad, honestly, at this point in time, but a former first-round pick. still only 21 years old. Hawks University might be a, a sneaky spot for him. Uh, same with Christian Wood, former UNLV player that's uh, been a, sort of bouncing around. Not, not the most established guy in the world, but if you're looking for the 15th roster spot, be able to use Erie a little bit at Hawks University. wouldn't be uh, the worst thing in the world. Jordan Mickey, uh, recently released by the Celtics, much like Demetrius Jackson could be a uh, player to keep an eye on. KJ McDaniels, a longtime favorite of Peachtree Hoops, uh, former Clemson uh, standout that was a, a little bit of a flash with Philly as early in his early years. Uh, offensively, he's a mess, but defensively uh, could be a scary prospect. Uh, even Terrence Jones, who has been around for a long time. Is still only 20, 25 years old. I don't, I don't love Terrence Jones, but if you can get him for the minimum or something close to that, I'd be worth, uh, sort of be worth taking a look at him at a power forward spot where you don't have a ton of, uh, players right now could be worth uh, adding as an option even if he looks good in a, in a short burst maybe you can trade him later etc so just some names to keep an eye on there I'm sure I'm missing some people but you know stock got veterans don't really move the needle for me the Hawks you know if they sign one it wouldn't blow me away they do have two spots to work with but if it was me I'd be looking uh, to use both of them but to use both of them on guys who are young enough to you that can actually grow with your roster versus uh, signing veterans to just stop the bleeding so to speak for this season um, with that said, I actually went longer than I thought it was going to go on today's podcast. But uh, you know, 20 minute mark. I, I apologize for being a little bit long winded, but uh, a lot going on. Even if there's not a lot going on, if that makes sense. Uh, it's July. When we get into August, we'll be in the full blown dead period. We'll, we'll have to get creative when it comes to uh, podcast topics. But uh, for now, there's still some news to talk about and some uh, big picture things. And the Hawks roster is not fully set, which makes it easier to uh, discuss hypotheticals at this point in time. So, thanks as always for listening to the podcast, everybody. Please subscribe if you've not done that already on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you want to listen to podcasts we're trying to get on spotify that'll be the next uh hopefully the next thing that happens but uh if that doesn't happen there's plenty of places to listen to the podcast as well as peace and audio boom who's the host of our site and uh, sort of the podcasting host of the entire network of the locked on hawks sorry the locked on podcast network um, so keep an eye on that. Please go ahead uh, just support the podcast in every way you can as well as my writing over at hoops.com where I'm doing a ton of Hawk stuff and if you like Big Picture NBA stuff, over at dime mag, over at Uproxx. So thanks as always for listening everybody. I'll be back again uh, at the start of next week for at least uh, at least one or two shows and uh, I will be on the road actually into an, un- 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 an undisclosed location but I will not be at- from the comforts of my home so if the schedule is a little bit wonky, that'll be why but uh, I plan to have content for you next week so uh, stay tuned for that. Enjoy your weekend and And we'll be back again next week.